You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Rachel Adams. Rachel, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Rachel, we're talking on August 25th in, in 2021. Uh, we're going to talk about all that you're working on, uh, but I feel like I should ask you first, how are things in your in your neighborhood since we're still in this kind of strange pandemic phase? Uh, well, I'm talking to you from Omaha, Nebraska, where I live, and, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, Omaha is a little bit of a blue dot in a red state, so while things, um, you know, have been fairly open this entire time. Um, there's, there are people that are taking precautions. So I feel, I feel pretty good. We're at Bemis. We're still requiring masks for visitors and um, trying to keep things, you know, as uh, open in that sense, you know, not right. packing things in. Um, so, but we've been very lucky here. So let's talk about um, the Bemis Center for Contemporary Art and um and exactly your role there as, um, as curator and director of programs. Uh, what, what is your role, if, if, if we can begin there, at Bemis Sure. Center? Yeah, so Bemis Center is a 40-year-old organization, and we kind of have three branches that I oversee in terms of programming. We have an international artist residency. That is sort of how we began. We have exhibitions. Um, we have about... Um, 10,000 square feet of exhibition space on our first floor that's open to the public. And then we have um, sort of our public programs, which, you know, some are related, obviously, to exhibitions that we're doing or even residents that are here, you know, doing public programs, as well as a new um, sound art and experimental music venue called The Low End, which I am in charge of programming as well. So bringing in usually one to two performances per month. Um, obviously, we were doing a lot of those streaming, and now we're kind of starting to do more in-person things again. Um, so kind of my role is to sort of oversee and program all three of those branches. The residency is an open call, so that kind of doesn't really, you know, I don't pick the residents that are coming in, um, but, you know, overseeing the team and, and all of that as well and, and just spending time with them while they're here. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a quite, it's quite a big job. It sounds like an, an enormous job. Um, it's an awful <laughs> lot of programming uh, to oversee, and it's a very ambitious center. So, of course, it's a, it's a nonprofit center. Its goal is, is education, um, not sales. In, in terms of, um, I don't want to say its message, but its, but its mission maybe is, is best articulated either through the exhibitions or should we talk about the residency in terms of what residents are, are, are kind of exposed to or led through or encouraged to work on since that is, as you say, the beginning of Bemis, right, which, which everything grew out from? Yes. So Bemis started as actually um, kind of an arts and industry residency. So as you can imagine, in Omaha, there is quite a lot of space. I know our building in and of itself is 120,000 square feet, and then we have a 9,000 oh square God. foot building across the street. That's fabrication. I know it's hard. That's hard to imagine. That kind of that kind of space is, is really sort it of is. mind-boggling. You know. <laughs> uh, that's what most people say. You know, as soon as they get here, their you know first thing is, "Wow, it's." really big. There's a lot of space here. And I'm actually sitting in, I'm sitting in a studio right now because our residents 
summer residents just departed um, within the last few weeks. So um, the one that I'm sitting in is, you know, probably a thousand square feet, I would say, at least, um, just the live workspace that residents have just for themselves. Um, so, you know, I would say that the mission and, you know, kind of the vision of BMS is to really, you know, it was started by artists to support artists. So that's a continual threat throughout our history. Um, you know, we're an artist-centric organization, and that obviously means the artists and residents that are coming in, but also the artists that we're working with both in exhibitions, in the performances, and even artists in our community that we're, you know, putting on programming and facilitating programming with them. Um, you know, we have local artists that facilitate public programs with us or workshops or, um, you know, do skill build demos for our residents, you know, depending on what they're, um, they're looking for. So it, it really is a place of, yeah, like you said, education and exploration and experimentation. Um, our residency is a um, quote, unquote, quote, unquote, no, no expectation residency. So once you get here as a resident, you do not have to do anything. You know, we're not requiring you to be at anything. Um, we're not requiring you to have an exhibition afterwards or to leave a piece for us or, you know, any of those things that some residencies do. We're really just here to support you in what you want to do. Um, and whether that might mean, you know, building something gigantic uh, because you have a show coming up or if that means that you're just spending a lot of time researching, you know, the history of the meat packing industry in Nebraska. You know, it really is. Um, but are there, totally are there, are there, I mean, most residencies are, are kind of, you know, tend to steer residents in a certain way, like they like to address local history or to or to work in, um, I, don't, I don't know, particular types of projects or, or, or narratives. Is there, it sounds like there's, no agenda at all for the residency there in terms of uh, what you want to see coming out of a studio? Right. There's no, there's no agenda. We, in the past, we've had um, more thematic, you know, residencies. Like there was a science fiction one. There was a year all about food. Um, but, you know, those were kind of tests to sort of see, and that was before my time here. I, I started in late 2018. But, you know, it seems for us that it makes the most sense to just provide the space you know, provide basic, um, obviously we have, like I said, fabrication space. So we have a ceramic studio, we have welding, we have, you know, wood shop, we have big open space. We have partnerships with other um, organizations in town. So if you want to do glass blowing or, you know, work in a forge, we have a partner down the street that you can work with. If you want to um, do sort of more digital fabrication, like CNC routing, 3D printing, of course, you know, that, those are very expensive things. So we at the moment, we cannot afford, but we have a relationship with the local community college that you can, you know, get a membership with. So it's, um, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to provide a lot. And then whatever, you know, when a resident gets here, and they kind of see the space, they might have an idea of what they want to work on, or they might, you know, want to learn a new skill. And we try to sort of help facilitate that, whether it's our own staff teaching them or finding someone in the community to do, to do that. But we're really, you know, we want to put people together, um, both, you know, there's about between 10 and 12 people here at a time. So obviously, it becomes a kind of close cohort, collaborations happen, you know, people help each other film or act or, you know, learn, you know, teach skills amongst themselves. And, How long are um, the residencies yeah. in that time? Yeah, that sounds like such a great environment to stay in for months. It is amazing. We have um, two three-month residencies 
So spring and summer are both three months long, and then our fall is two months long because it sort of happens September, October, you know, basically before the holidays start. And, um, and how does it work? I know it's an open call, um, but is this a fully funded residency? Uh, how, does, how does that yes, aspect work? It's, it's fully funded, so you don't have to pay anything. Um, in fact, we pay you. So each resident gets uh, a monthly stipend of $1,000. They get a travel stipend, depending on if they're international or national. You know, that changes a little bit in terms of the, the funding. Um, so those are, you know, and then obviously all utilities and things like that are paid. They get a gym membership to a gym up the street um, if they want. And then, you know, that's the sort of extent of the um, fiscal funding. But then, of course, you know, there's access to all of these other, um, other things. But everybody has their own full bathroom and full kitchen in their studio. So it's, um, you know, you can go grocery shopping and make your own food, and obviously you can do – they always end up doing, like, potlucks and, and dinners with each other. But it's a, it's a residency that takes place in a city. So instead of having, you know, a chef on staff that cooks all the meals like many other places do – um, we kind of give everyone their own space to do that, which obviously with COVID was a, a blessing because we could have people be here safely. Right, and I, I love that. And I, mean, I want to talk about other, other things you're doing, the musical program especially, but it, it, um, residencies always strike me as one of the most important aspects of nurturing artists in the art world. And, 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 and really, I would I would. I mean, it's just my own personal kind of sense, but I, it strikes me that they're even more important than art school uh, because you don't have to go to art school, uh, of course, to be an artist, to, to, to be showing. Um, but it strikes me as residencies like, like yours, like Bemis and others that are, that are of a similar model are, are critical to an artist's career, are, are, are crucial to, to, to building community um, I don't know, am I overstating that or? or, or no, uh, <laughs> I don't think you are. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely correct in the fact that having, um, being able to attend a residency, no matter, at, you know, I think at what point your career is in, you know, resident uh, artists that come to Bemis are, you know, sometimes they're, they're just out of, you know, graduate school. Sometimes they've been, you know, in, in the world um, for some, some time, you know, they're the, career trajectory is, is varied, which is also really nice because we try to kind of curate, I hate to say that word, but in, in a way, you know, um, a group together, um, you know, it is an open call and I, we um, have two rounds of jury selection and the second round is really a conversation between the three jurors and myself and other residency team members. You know, the, the three jurors are really making the selection, but we're sort of maybe, you know, giving some, some you know, background about Venus if they have any questions. Oh, could they do this here? Or does this make sense? That kind of thing. Or have you had someone from this country before? You know, like questions like that um, to really make sure that, you know, the cohort that's here, you know, and this is, this is sort of the magic of Venus, maybe the magic of residencies in general that have multiple people, but there's always such a great group. And they always form such a wonderful, like, working friendship. You know, like, this past summer we had um, an artist here, Patty, and she was filming um, a new version of Peter Pan called Pan. And so the entire cohort, you know, acted, helped film, you know, helped create the set. You know, it was, um, it was such a fabulous time to kind of watch them, you know, do this together and, 
and sort of then see the outcome of, you know, all of these different um, people, both also, you know, um, Patty cast local actors in the, in the piece as well and interns and things like that. So it really became this, um, this wonderful collaboration between all of them. So, you know, it's, it is, I think, super integral to be able to go to a place and have that space and have that support to make your own work, to have those conversations that maybe you haven't had since graduate school or maybe ever if you, you know, haven't gone, you know, through a program, either undergrad or grad, um, to have your own studio. And, you know, we try to bring in, you know, people for studio visits as well, you know, other artists as well as curators. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's absolutely necessary. Uh, I hope that every artist has the chance, you know, to do a residency at some point in their career because I do think it's really beneficial. And, um, you know, so of course there's more information about that for, for those listening, interested. Uh, I want to talk also before we go about your music program, which sounds mm-hmm. very exciting. Another kind of huge sort of uh, task for you, it seems, um, but also a fascinating one. I don't know if you're if that's a particular interest of yours, but the the way you began sketching out the, the music program, it sounded fascinating. Yeah, so in 2018, and this was prior to my time, so early 2018, BMIS went through a strategic planning process, and one of the things that came out of that um, and our executive director's interest in music was that there isn't a place in the greater United States where a sound artist or an experimental musician can have the space to work um, and also to perform as you know much like especially in the Omaha area in our region of the country Omaha is a huge music town a lot of people come through here because of where we're situated but you know in terms of thinking about more experimentation sound art you know that wasn't happening as much so um, Chris our director kind of came up with this idea of having a tract within the residency program. So now we have one artist is always designated the sound artist or experimental musician. And with that, we also built out uh, a complete recording studio and rehearsal space in our basement, as well as this new performance venue called Low End. So we have this kind of tract within the residency program, and we've had now five artists come through that. And we just did our open call. So we were inviting them at first just to kind of get, the, get everything started um, and also get feedback from them about their experience so that we could craft the residency a little bit better. And then, um, yeah, and so then I curate, um, you know, pick the performers that we work with. Um, some, and then residents, when they're here, you know, if, if they have a performative practice, because not all sound artists do, of course, you know, they might be more installation-based. Um, we do, you know, ask them to do a performance as well. But that, you know, doesn't always um, come to fruition, although I think we have all of our residents have now performed at some point. But, um, yeah, so that's, you know, it was it was a, a tangential interest of mine. You know, I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in media in general and my curatorial practice, um, and that has moved over into sound art a little bit. I was the co-curator for the Tony Conrad retrospective that um, opened in 2018 in Buffalo. Um, and Tony Conrad, as we know, is like a pioneering um, sound artist, musician in, in his own right, um, as well as visual artist and educator. And then, you know, that sort of, kind of led me down a very long 
deep hole into this world. Um, and I've been super lucky to have, you know, had, a, had some advice from some amazing sound artists. Um, Raven Chacon was our first um, sound artist in residence who was invited prior to my joining BMIS. And so just getting to know him and his practice and learning from him, you know, and sort of going from there, I'm, I also had been starting to work with the sound artist Amaya Dunis, who's based in Israel on a project that was going to happen in Buffalo before I moved to BMIS and now is going to happen here. So I, you know, I sort of had this um, as my, you know, as an interest of mine, and it's only just grown in, in the past two years. And when we so, talk about sound art and, and performances, I mean, it could mean almost anything, of course. It could be ambient. It could be something that you, you're not quite even realizing is sound um, art, though there is a, there's a stage at Bemis and a, and a performance center for kind of um, traditional performances, stage, stage and audience. Is, is that correct? Right. Mm-hmm. There, so we kind of we created this venue, which is, as I mentioned, in our lower level in our basement, and it's sort of, you know, um, I kind of refer to it in a way as the secret garden because it's it's all sort of green with this like rose wallpaper, but it's set up as a venue, um, and so we've had you know performers perform down there on the stage. But, you know, they're, they're playing music that you're not necessarily going to hear, obviously, on the radio or, you know, specific radio stations. You know, they're, they're working with different kinds of instruments or instruments in a different way. You know, there's, there's ambient. We had Jeremy Toussaint Baptiste when he performed in January of 2019. You know, the entire venue was dark, you know, and it basically you're just really hearing the vibrations or feeling the vibrations of his work, you know, so... It, it really varies. Um, you know, Laura Ortman, who's an experimental violinist, was the first person that we had as a public um, performance. And um, we just had um, C. Lavender, who's based in the New York area, come. And she actually did a performance um, downstairs where she had projection as well as she was performing music. So it, it, it totally varies depending on, um, on what each performer wants to do. And, you know, we're just here to sort of foster their creativity um, and, and, and go from there and really showcase the, the range of experimental music and the range of sound art. So um, we actually had this really great performance between Leah Bertucci, who was our sound resident in the fall, and Tom Kamita, who is um, a writer and a performer, um, like sort of a spoken word performer in that sense. And he... Um, they collaborated on a performance. And so he read chapters of this book that he's been working on, and then she inserted sort of sound in between it. And it was really wonderful. So, it, you know, it totally depends. Ooh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. That's exciting. And, um, and, of course, you know, these performances that the, that the community can also attend. And, and in terms of, you know, being as an institution, um, it's nonprofit. So does that mean it's funded privately and also by the state? How, how does it continue to produce such wonderful programs? It, it seems like you're so well-funded. We, we are, we are well-funded, but, you know, we raise every dime. Um, and every year we, we're not, we don't have any sort of endowment funds like some, you know, maybe universities or larger um, museums might have. But for, you know, yes, we're funded by, you know, uh, federal as well as local and state, a, a lot of private um, foundations, especially ones that are based in the Omaha area or in our region, 
um, as well as, you know, the sound program is funded. Um, the lead sponsor for that is the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. So they were, they awarded us a three-year grant to produce this sound program and to support artists because, you know, in thinking about, you know, our, our mission is obviously to support artists. We make sure that everyone is paid. Um, we try to pay them as, as well as we possibly can. And so that was a big portion of the Mellon Foundation's grant was to make sure that we are paying all of these sound artists, paying them to come here, that they don't have to worry about selling tickets or anything like that. Everything is free. Um, everything that we do, except for obviously fundraisers, which we do, you know, one to two a year, are free and not ticketed. So that galleries are always open to the public. We just did a big outdoor um, performance called Low End on the Bricks. Um, you know, sort of in these COVID times, we're kind of um, trying to be as safe as possible. So we just did that last Thursday where we had three local, um, more experimental performers and one um, artist from Tulsa who drove in for that. So, you know, just being able to, um, yeah, continue to do that. So we're obviously always looking for grants. We just got a grant from the New Music um, Organ. It's called New Music um, Association, which granted us some funding. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work in that sense, but um, that's our you know, part of what we want to do always is to make sure that artists mm -hmm. are paid and that our audience doesn't have a barrier to attend our events. That's so, that's so exciting to hear and great, great work on all of that. I know that's, that's also probably another part of your job, right, is, is all the fundraising along with the multiple roles that you play. There's, there's also the fundraiser. I would imagine. Well, we have an amazing, we have an amazing team. And I actually, we do have a development director who, who really takes, you know, she is amazing at her job and um, always working really hard to make sure that we can continue to, um, to run Bemis. <laughs> so. that, is, that is great to hear. Um, I, I want to ask you one more question. Um, is what are you reading at the moment? I'm always curious what everyone's reading. Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm actually reading the book called Nine Street Women, um, and then the colon is Lee Krasner, Elaine de Kooning, Grace Hardigan, Joan Mitchell, and Helen Frankenthaler, Five Painters and the Movement that Changed Modern Art. And it's a book that I've wanted to read for a long time since it came out, well, I guess not that long. It's been out for maybe a little over a year or so. Um, I bought it right when it came out, and it's been sitting on my bookshelf. But I, uh, I'm working on an exhibition for 2023, I believe, um, which is a um, generational painting show um, of female and female-identifying or non-binary um, people, um, thinking about, you know, how important that those roles have been um, and looking at my specific, my generation, this kind of Oregon Trail generation of, you know, 1976 to 1985 you know, kind of situation. And I've just been spending a lot of time, like, seeing all these amazing artists, um, you know, working with thinking about, about the home, thinking about your home life, thinking about your daily life and sort of how you're portraying that. Um, and so that, that's sort of a show I'm thinking about and I'm working on for 2023. And this book is just kind of, you know, wanting to, to dig more into, you know, the, the beginnings of, um, of some of these women's careers and how they influence painters today. I'm really enjoying it. It's it's quite great, actually. Yeah, that, that sounds great. I have that book, but I haven't started it yet. And, and, and uh, that's, that's exciting that you're reading it because, um, I mean, The Ninth Street Women, because, uh, yeah, I've heard it's an amazing book. 
Yeah, you know, it's um, I, I worked at the University of Buffalo for three and a half years, and we um, our collection came from the Martha Jackson um, family, which has a lot of sort of that second generation of abstract expressionists. We had one of the most amazing Joan Mitchell paintings ever, which is actually going to be in the big Joan Mitchell show that's opening um, at the Baltimore Museum. So it's sort of been, you know, in my mind's eye for a long time is that sort of that time, especially in New York, and just really wanting to have a little bit more um, of that history in my, um, just in my, my mind, you know, <laughs> really dig into really? it, and especially with, with the women painters of that generation. So. That's exciting. Well, well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you for your work, the events, the programming, the residencies, um, all that you're involved in, as well as your, of course, the whole team there and, and staff at Bemis. Uh, but thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate your, your work and your time. No, thank you so much, Brainerd. This has been a pleasure. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.